0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now.
1: Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning. May the 25th, 2022, it is 7.03 on your Tucson Wednesday, and you're listening to the Jeff Dean Show here on uh, ESPN Tucson, is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Very, very busy show today, lots of things to talk about. I will begin by addressing the, of course, the horrific news and tragedy that came out of the world yesterday in Evaldi, Texas, and I will address it by saying that I, I literally have no words. I can't <clears throat> put into context what any of those people are going through i can't sympath i mean I, I i i sympathize i can't empathize with what those everyone in that community specifically the families of those that were affected uh by the uh, by the killings yesterday I don't have any words and that's why I'm not going to say anything about it i just i i i, I literally i can't I can't put myself in that space. I can't put my brain in that area of of, of what it must be like. I I don't have children. You know, those of you who, who know I I don't I don't have children. Not to say that I don't understand what it's like to, you know, to have family and things like that, but I I don't I you know, I it's not one of those things like where I had to go pick up my kid from school yesterday knowing that this is all going to happen or I had to go take my kid to school this morning knowing what happened yesterday and that it could happen at any point in time anywhere on this planet. It's I don't I don't have that. Um my heart goes out to anyone who does and has to go through that today, but I just I I literally don't have words. So I'm not going to say anything. This is not a political talk show and I'm certainly not going to get into that with anybody. So I'm just going to say that that we all understand that there is a, a need for a change in the way that things go down on a daily basis here in the United States, in the world. But the change begins within, and that's where I'm going to leave it. We're going to talk some sports today. I know it's difficult given the uh, given the landscape of the world and kind of what everybody's dealing with today, but that's what it is. We are a sports show, and uh, that's what we'll be talking about today. Thank you for tuning in. We have some NBA playoffs to get into as there was a, a a basketball game last night. I'll offer my thoughts on that. There's another basketball game tonight. The Miami Heat taking on the Celtics in a series that is tied 2-2. I have some notes from yesterday. Yesterday just was again just unfortunately too sick to uh, to be able to do the show. Um but uh I have some notes from from as I was preparing for yesterday's show that uh that I want to offer in regards to the Eastern Conference Finals and just how stinking unwatchable it has been from from the get go. I mean the the entire uh you know whatever it is 200 minutes or 192 minutes of that series have just been 100% unwatchable. And there's reasons there's good reasons why. Not a not a good reason for it to be unwatchable, but there are tangible reasons why it is so stinking unwatchable i'll get into that there is some wildcat basketball news that we'll be discussing as uh, the wildcats added a team to the schedule we uh we knew that it was coming down the pike we just didn't know when and where we now know where so we're going to talk about that also uh some more talk about the you know what's going to be happening with Dale and Terry is that uh, that uh, you know the the countdown is ticking He has until June 1st to decide on uh, whether or not he's going to continue to keep his name in the NBA draft or withdraw and return to Tucson to play one more year for Tommy Lloyd and the Cats. So we'll talk about that as well. We have some NFL news. Uh, As I talked about on Monday, two of Deshaun Watson's accusers had stepped forward to give an interview with HBO's Real Sports. And that, uh, that show aired last night. Uh, just a real, just an early, early cursory, uh, 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 I guess, assessment of what I saw last night on that is those two seemed very uh, legitimate. It did not seem coerced. It did not seem uh, like it was any kind of, I mean, HBO is going to try to add the drama and everything like that. I mean, that's, that's their job is to be entertaining. It's in their, their entertainment business. But uh, just based on the way that I read the the uh, the interviews and the way the women were speaking, it seems like they were deeply, deeply affected by the alleged actions of Deshaun Watson. I'll get deeper into it later on when we get into the, uh, the NFL portion of the show uh, because there are some other NFL news going on that could be you know, could change a lot of things. Uh, you know, and how we view football, essentially. So we'll talk about that coming up uh, later on the show as well. Some NHL Stanley Cup playoffs uh, didn't get a chance to mention it, but yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending champs, finally put the Florida Panthers out of their misery with a dominant victory in Game Four. They sweep the Presidents' Cup trophy uh, team right out of the playoffs. A team that really didn't show up. I mean, honestly, the Panthers didn't show up to this postseason and. Uh, I don't know why I even put a futures bet on them, but uh, yeah, well, whatever. Thankfully, with Vando Sportsbook, they have the cash out app, uh, the cash out uh, feature, and I was able to cash out for more, quite a bit more money than uh, than uh, than what I put on stake there because there was opportunity for them to uh, to win that uh, Stanley Cup. So, thankfully, was able to cash that out and uh, make something out of uh, out of a little bit of the stake that I had put on them. Uh, and then, of course, there was some uh, there was some games last night. We'll talk about that. And looking ahead to see who uh, who seems to be you know the major contenders. I mean, obviously Colorado at times looks unbeatable. Um, they've got the the series with St. Louis fully in hand. And then the other series are kind of like wow, I, you know, the other two series it's it's been a back and forth. It's been very exciting hockey. Uh, there was some uh, there were some great moments last night. Some rapid scoring, early scoring uh, teams trying to catch up, and it was, uh, it was a fun night in the, uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Also may get into uh, some baseball as well, and maybe even talk some college football as there's, you know, there's always things going on in the world of college football, um, and it's it just you know, because it's the sport that I, that I love so much, it's my favorite sport, it's my favorite sport to watch, it's my favorite sport to analyze, it's my favorite sport to talk about, and there's always something rattling around in my brain in regards to college football in what I'm, you know, what I'm thinking about. And it's, it's interesting to see, you know, and and like I immediately what happens if I, if I go on to the internet in some of the subscriptions that I have and, you know, whatever and start reading, just reading articles throughout the day and I'm like, I'm going to go see what uh, so-and-so has written or see what's posted in this. I immediately go to like, I focus on NFL and college football. Those are the two that, uh, you know, move the needle for me and for the most most part, the American uh, sports public. So I start reading college football articles just all the time, and uh, it just it just continues to get that you know that motor running, and you like to uh, you know feed the beast so to speak. And uh, I'll have some thoughts on some of the things going on in college football coming up a little bit later in the show as well. We'll start with the NBA playoffs, though, as the Mavericks stave off elimination, as the Warriors just like they just literally didn't show up. It was almost like. They had a head coach who went to the podium uh, moments before the game and grudgingly walked out onto the court saying that we have to play a basketball game tonight, and the team followed in suit. They were just not – they had no focus whatsoever. Uh, They didn't show up. They didn't play any defense. I mean, that game was well in hand heading into the third quarter, let alone at halftime. Um, And in the fourth quarter they woke up and showed like, oh, you know, we we you know, we got to we got to wake up. We got to get in this game. Well, you got twelve minutes to do it. And hell, they nearly did it. They were down thirty points in the fourth quarter, got it to within eight, until the Mavericks finally uh, uh, finally put them away. The Mavericks look. It was like a a just a downhill rolling snowball for the uh, for the Mavericks last night. They scored twenty eight in the first, then thirty four in the second, then thirty seven in the third. It was ninety nine to seventy heading into the fourth quarter. And like I said, the Warriors cut it to, to eight. They snapped out of it, uh, got within eight, but then you know Dallas was able to finally put them away, shoot some free throws, get the Warriors, turn the ball over a few times late in the fourth quarter, and that was pretty much it. The Mavericks were 20 of 43 from beyond the arc, shooting 46.5% in the game, in a game which saw them attempt more threes than they attempted twos. Attempted 43 threes in that game and 39 two-point shots in that game. And... That is one of the things that that I'm going to be talking about today in regards to where the NBA is as a product. Now, there's a direct correlation to something I'm going to talk about later because Mark Cuban, owner, in principle, of the Dallas Mavericks. We see him all the time. He's, he's always running around with the players and celebrating and sh- shouting at the officials and stuff. He's really annoying. Uh, he made comments... Uh, This was years ago, years and years, like probably eight or nine years ago. He made comments about how the NFL is going to fall flat on its face because its product is going to essentially be oversaturated and that the fans are going to get too much NFL and that they're going to start to turn it off. Well, in an ironic turn of events, it's almost like his own basketball team is starting to get NBA fans and sports fans to turn the NBA off because of what I just mentioned. They attempted 43 three-pointers in the game last night and only 39 two-point attempts. There was no semblance of any real type of basketball offense from any kind of basketball that I've ever played or watched or analyzed. There was no pick and roll. There was no give and go. There was very little set offensive plays except when coming out of uh, out of a out of a timeout, and a lot of those resulted in missed shots and I'm just like I'm watching the game I'm like, what is this We're watching like I mean really what is this It's Luca dribble 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 dribble, pass to Jalen Brunson dribble around Luca resets, give it to Luca dribble, dribble dribble, dribble either he shoots or he passes to someone who is wide open, and I mean standing alone could have made a sandwich before putting up the jump shot, and that's basically the the offense that the Mavericks are rolling out there. Now, unfortunately for NBA fans and sports fans, it's also basically the same thing that the Boston Celtics are doing and the Miami Heat are doing, for that matter, in their series, in that unwatchable Eastern Conference Finals. And I do mean unwatchable, so much so that I have just completely stopped watching. At this point, I'm going to be honest with you. I am not going to watch the game tonight. I do not care. I cannot watch that kind of basketball be played anymore. There have just been non-stop blowouts in that series. Four games, four blowouts. Games that have never been close. And then you dive deeper into uh, into some of the you know some of the things going on. This from the uh, from the Concord Monitor okay a uh, you know well respected newspaper in the uh, in the new england area the concord monitor says this the there have only been four lead changes in the series now, now let me let me say that again and see if it if it soaks in with you as much as it soaked in with me there have been four a total of four lead changes in, in the entire Eastern Conference Finals series. Four games, four total lead changes. And the last time there was a lead change in that series was with two minutes to go in the first quarter of Game 2. There has not been a lead change in that series for 11 quarters, 11-plus. quarters of basketball, teams have led the entire way, teams have never led the entire way, for two full games consecutively, and over three-fourths of the other game, of game two, and game one saw the only, and I mean, and I do mean this factually, the only second half lead change in the entire series occurred in game one, when the Celtics were playing without two of their key players, specifically key defenders, in that series. That game or that series has become completely unwatchable, and the NBA is moving that direction. And why is it? It's because of the reliance on the three-point shot. That is the root of the problem. The average margin of victory over the past two weeks in the NBA, the average margin of victory is 18.8 points. Is that any kind of product anyone wants to watch? These are the conference finals, for God's sakes. The four remaining teams vying for a title in that league are playing this. This is the type of product they're putting out there. It's horrible. It's awful. And it's the, it's the NBA's reliance on the three-point shot that is causing this. Because you hear everybody, any any player who gets a microphone stuck in their face and asked why the game went one direction or the other, they will answer the same way. It's a make-or-miss league, and either you're making them or you're missing them. Every player says that. Every, almost every coach says that. So, yeah, and it always seems like neither it, – it, like in a game, it's, it, it's, it's one team is either making them and one team is missing them. Like, it, it, there's never a situation where both teams are shooting the lights out. It's one team making them and one team not making them, which results in total blowouts. And look, folks, there are there are a few things in life that are undefeated. Father time undefeated. You and else is undefeated? Math. Mathematics, undefeated. If you shoot 38% from three, and forty-two percent from two, and you do it a hundred times, you're going the, the three-point team is going to win by I think it's I think it's eleven points. I think that's the number. I think that's I think the number is eleven points. If that's if that's all that happens in the game, or maybe it's like thirty. It's, only, it's only eleven or thirteen points. I remember reading it a, a few years ago when somebody did a a, a ridiculously mathematical and an analysis of the difference in a three-point shooting team and a two-point shooting team. So you're either making them or you're missing them. And, you know, the, the, the problem here is is that the teams that are making them, teams like Dallas last night, 20 of 43 from that, uh, you know, from beyond the arc in the game, 46.5%. Yeah, they were making them. Now the Warriors were no slouch. They shot just under 36% from three. It's not terrible. It's not it's not game-breaking, Uh, you, you know, bad shooting. 10 of 28, though, they took a lot fewer shots from beyond the arc. They only made 10. They made half. Of the three-point shots that the Mavericks made in that game, which resulted in a blowout. So the reliance on the three-pointer has made things exciting. It's made things fun when you watch guys like Steph Curry shooting the ball from the logo, uh, you know, in an effortless attempt. But we, we have to we have to remember. That Steph Curry will go down as probably one of the 25 – I shouldn't say probably. Steph Curry will go down as one of the 25 greatest players in NBA history. He really will. Anyone who denies that is foolish. Not everybody is Steph Curry. Not everyone is top 25 player in the history of of the league. But everybody tries to be, and that's the problem. Everybody tries to be Steph Curry. They think they can be Steph Curry because, sure, hell, they can – Go out in their backyard, or you know, on the on the, the to the uh, to the carport, and shoot that way all day long, and you forget how many you miss because it's like, ooh, I made one, ooh, I made one, and if you were really charting your shots, you probably made four of the thirty-two that you attempted. <laughs> Steph Curry is a unique individual, and Steph Curry, it's not that he was born with it. Steph Curry works very hard. I talk to people inside that organization and say that. You know, don't let his, his uh, you know, boyish looks and, you know, the, his antics and, you know, the way that he dances and is so, you know, kind of fluid and relaxed all the time, don't let that fool you. He's the hardest-working player on the team. He works at it. I mean, it, there's there's reasons why he's so good at shooting those off-balance off shots, off one leg with one, you know, one arm to the side. I mean, he just – it's – it's insane how he gets those shots to drop. I remember there was a time in his career where he was shooting he he had a higher shooting percentage from 40 feet away from the basket than he did 4 feet away from the basket. That's I mean that's it's ridiculous. Uh so the the, the reliance on the three-pointer is what's killing the NBA and ironically it's it's Mark Cuban's team that is right there at the forefront of it. I mean it's this is the you know, the Mavericks have been a boom or bust team. And look at them in the Suns series, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in two of the in uh, two of the losses. The other, the third loss, they, they 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 were shooting okay. They just couldn't defend. But in their wins, my God, it was it was like it was like open gym shooting. It was ridiculous how easily it was and how how readily and how uh, frequently those three pointers were made available and how often they went down. Those resulted in a ton of blowouts. The Phoenix Suns were not shooting. Phoenix Suns are not a three-point shooting team. That's not what they do. Three, the Phoenix Suns led the NBA in two-point scoring this year. I had hoped, I had hoped not just because I'm a Diehard's Phoenix Suns fan, that they would win the championship, but for the sake of the league, you know, copycat leagues, every, you know, every league's copycat league. As soon as the you know, team wins Super Bowl, everybody in the NFL goes, goes one way. And college football. If, as soon as a team wins the national championship, well, how'd they do it? Oh, they did this. Okay, we got to start doing that way. NBA, same way. No different there. When a team wins the championship, I mean, how many teams tried to be the Warriors after the Warriors went through the first half of of, of their dynastic years? And they're still in it 10 years later, right? They're still in that dynasty. It's still, the Warriors are still the, the favorites to win the championship right now. And it's not like the Warriors... There are a couple of players who do that. Clay and and Steph are guys who are flashy three-point shooters. But when you look at how the Warriors play, they usually dominate you in the paint. That's how the Warriors end up sealing their games. Yeah, the three-point shot is one thing, and it's great, and it's fun, and all that stuff. But the Warriors win games by scoring in the paint. People forget about that. But the NBA has just become, these Eastern Conference Finals have been unwatchable. The Western Conference Finals haven't been much better, to be honest and it's the reliance on the three point shot and it's it's ruining the game it's 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 ruining the competitive nature of the game it's horrible to watch uh nobody wants to just watch guys launch three pointers all day like I, I if that's what you like i i feel sorry for you like i feel sorry that you didn't get to watch a more beautiful version of of basketball i encourage you to watch college although you know the guys taking shots in college are going to be 10 to 12 percent less uh, you know less successful than the guys in the NBA are. but I encourage you to watch actual like actual basketball like not, not just NBA shoot around for 48 minutes. All right I'm going to take a timeout. when I return, we'll continue with more after this on the Jeff Dean show.
0: Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: You know, I was talking with with Mary during the break there, and Mary was telling me that she likes to shoot the basketball around a little bit, likes to shoot some hoops, play some horse from time to time, but... She, you know, she admitted that even though she wins a lot of games of horse and has played against, uh, you, know, you know, when she was back in high school and college and stuff, shot against guys who played a lot of basketball and would beat them in shooting contests, but admitted that she couldn't actually play the game of basketball. And it's, you know, maybe that's kind of where, I don't know, maybe that's where I'm coming from. Like, I was never the great jump shooter on the court. I played a lot of basketball growing up, a lot. I love basketball. I I mean, I really do. And for me, you know, when people ask me, they're like, "Well, you know, what got you interested in basketball?" And I tell people, I go, "I think basketball is easy," and I and I don't mean that to uh, like like to undercut anyone who works really hard at the game. Basketball to me has always been easy, really, really easy to understand. Basketball has been an easy game for me to pick up, as far as like mentally grasping what are the important things about basketball. When I played basketball for the first time, organized basketball, for the first time in school, essentially, you know, playing for a team and, you know, you start, you know, at eighth grade or whatever and playing 16 games a year and stuff. And, you know, I, I knew I wasn't good at it. I wasn't built to play basketball. I was, you know, I, I was I'm more of a of a football build, obviously, right? Um You know, I'm not a great leaper. I'm not a fast athlete, you know, and I don't have a a great shot. I'm really not a very good shooter. But I worked really hard when I played, and the game was very easy for me to be good at because it seemed like a lot of the other players just like to be lazy and like to just kind of stand out there and shoot because it's a game that you can get better at by yourself. You don't have to compete against anyone to get better at basketball. It's true. I mean you don't you know sure you're competing against the numbers or whatever but every one of us who have ever picked up a basketball have played the you know the Kobe game right where you just you just shoot by yourself you just you know fade away Kobe you know oh missed that one try it again Kobe missed again and when you make one you're like yeah you get pumped up and you get that immediate like feeling like of 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 accomplishment success even though you weren't competing against anyone Look, it's a difficult game. It's a very difficult skill to master to be able to launch a a ball inflated with air trajectorily into the air with the right amount of arc, the correct amount of muscle input, backspin, all the other things that go along with shooting a basketball to get it to fall through a cylinder that is only four inches in circumference larger than the ball that you are shooting into it. So it, it's a very difficult skill to master. But I will say this watching the NBA is like watching all of those guys I played pickup games against at the rec room at the rec center, pickup games on the playground. They're all lazy. They just stand there from beyond the arc and they shoot. And some of the guys are really, really good at it. And those guys are killers. Like it just sucks to play against those guys because you get the ball and you gotta go run out on them and stuff and they shoot the ball and it goes in, and you're like and then they come down. And there's now their turn to play defense, and you beat them up, and I mean you beat the crap out of them. I mean, and that's and that's what I did. I you know basketball for me, I had to take a different approach because I was not a good shooter. So I think maybe that's maybe that's where I'm you know maybe that's where I'm coming from, and you know, and I'm not saying that I was an accomplished basketball player. I played three years in in you know junior high slash high school, freshman, uh, sophomore, junior year. And it was just you know for me it was more of like something to stay in shape, but I really love the game also. I love playing basketball. I was not good at it. I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, you know, my claim to fame of uh, my high school basketball career is that I never missed a free throw. Now, granted, I only attempted four of them, <laughs> but I never missed one, probably because in practice that's all I did. Coach would be like, ah, we don't have uh, we don't have room for you on the, on the sc- scrimmage, Jeff. Go shoot some free throws. Okay. <clears throat> Go practice my free throws. But that's about it. I just feel like the 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 <clears throat> pardon me the laziness of of the game of basketball is going to be something that may you know be one somewhat of its downfall. I know a lot of people. I've talked to plenty of people, and there are plenty of people online and people that I haven't talked to. People on the socials, uh, people that are being interviewed uh, from other you know from other people and from from journalists and stuff that. They're just fed up with the game. They're not watching. The games are boring. They're constant blowouts. And it's back and forth. It's not like one team is just blowing out the other team night after night after night. Even that would have more of a story than this team wins this game by 25, this team wins this game by 27, this team comes back to win by 22 the next night, then this team wins by 32 the next night. Like, nobody wants to see that. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that would be like a tug-of-war where it's just like two guys, you know, a bunch of guys running with the rope as fast as they can until they can get stopped by the other team and then letting go of the rope and letting the other team run back the other way until they can pick up the rope and stop. Like, it, it, nobody would watch that. You watch Tug of War because it's close and it's hard fought and, it you know, the flag moves just a little bit, ever so slightly one way, and then you see one team gain some momentum, dig in, get some leverage, whatever, and it starts moving, moving closer, inching closer. That's the exciting stuff. That's the drama. There's no drama in basketball right now. It's boring as hell. These games suck. All right, I'm going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk about some good basketball that we got to watch this past season and hopefully for many seasons to come. Tommy Lloyd's basketball team added a uh, a new team to their schedule. We know some of the portions of the schedule of the Arizona Wildcats men's basketball team and uh, some other things going on on campus as well. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show.
0: Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here. You know, funny, quickly before I move on from the NBA, Mark Cuban, owner of the Mavericks. Is uh, essentially blaming the NBA Play-In Tournament for the way that the basketball is being played today, right now. Like he's saying that the players are tired because they had to play back-to-back games. there are there are teams that are uh, that are that are more tired. Um, uh, Dallas Mavericks didn't play in the Play-In Tournament. Neither did the Golden State Warriors, nor did the number one and the number two seed that are playing unwatchable basketball in the Eastern Conference. Cuban says that the NBA play on play in, the NBA product would be better right now if there had just been the eight seed getting into the tournament without all the extra play in games that were being played. I don't particularly see. I mean, you know, Mark Cuban is often a you know a very well you know thought individual. He you know he does put a lot of thinking and you know analyzing into the you know what he does. He's been very successful at it. You know, throughout his career, obviously. Uh, the amount of money that he's made. I'm not exactly sure where he's going with this one, though. (laughs) Like, eh, I don't don't know. uh, Mark Cuban says a lot of dumb things as equally as he does say smart things. So this may be one of the dumb things that he says. I, I don't particularly think it's the teams being tired. I think it's become a lazy game, and these players are just playing right into it. And last night's effect was the Golden State Warriors head coach, Basically saying before the game that he doesn't want to play a basketball game tonight. And his players didn't look like they wanted to play either. Big surprise. So Arizona basketball, Arizona and uh, Indiana, the Hoosiers, have finalized their plans to play at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas this year. A game that is now scheduled for December 10th as uh, the Wildcats had uh, they had an open weekend that weekend. We're looking to, uh, uh, to add in the, in the game. We had known that there was um, a, a, a scheduling kind of handshake between the two schools, between Arizona and Indiana. They were able to agree on a date, and that'll be December 10th in Las Vegas, so looking forward to that. That should be a good one. You know, the, the, the Wildcats, they're still – well, first of all, there's still time to fill out the, uh, to fill out the schedule, the remainder, of, the remainder of the schedule. I think they have four open, open games right now uh, to fill – and obviously they're waiting to see kind of what their roster is going to look like. I mean, is, is Dale and Terry going to return uh, to the program? Is he going to withdraw from the NBA draft? Are they going to go diving into the transfer portal once again with uh, uh, you know, certain, you know, certain players that may or may not be available? I don't want to say any, anything by name here. It's, there have been rumors about uh, players from other Power 5 programs who are looking to transfer out. Um, I know that F. A. Abogidi he made his uh, appearance. He did a visit in Tucson, liked what he saw, and he's a potential transfer candidate for Tommy Lloyd and the Wildcats. The you know the schedule makers at Arizona now you know it was you know previously under Sean Miller uh, you know there was there was a, a you know a, a group of of guys who did analysis on how to maximize the RPI. Um, Net ranking, whatever have you, you know, whatever you want to call it, over the years, and they, you know, they did a, a phenomenal job of setting up Arizona for opportunities to maximize their net ranking. Obviously, when you couple that with a a uh, great winning percentage like Arizona had last year, your net ranking climbs to as high as number one, as it did. This year will be an interesting look at what the Wildcats. are. First of all, when you look at the the uh, the preseason tournament that they're going to be playing in, the Invitational Tournament. That's the one uh, the Wildcats are playing in Maui this year, so they got the Maui Invitational, always a, a, a good trip. I always like to see you know, the the socials and, and the, the return pictures and stuff from the trip because they always go to see the USS Arizona Memorial there at Pearl Harbor, and I think that's always kind of a uh, an eye-opening moment for those young men. And for this year's squad, you know, it's a lot of European players who, probably have no idea what the USS Arizona is, may not even be familiar with what Pearl Harbor means to this country and, you know, all those other things. So that'll be an interesting moment for them, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing and hearing some of the thoughts and the stories and such that come out from their trip to uh, to Lahaina. Now, the, the Wildcats are going to be playing against a really – I mean, the, the Maui Invitational this year is phenomenal. Arkansas, they're going to be one of the top two or three teams in the country in the preseason. They're in that Maui Invitational. Uh, Creighton, they just got an announcement that their, uh, their star player is going to be returning. He, he withdrew from the NBA draft. So, uh, is it McLee, Is that his name? I think he's coming back. They're going to be one of the top teams. They may be even be the number one team in the country in the preseason. Louisville, going to be really good. Ohio State will be good once again, even though they are going to be losing a couple of players from this year's squad. But, look, it's Ohio State. They're going to be good. I think San Diego State is actually going to be really good this year. We know what Texas Tech can do, and then Cincinnati is in the mix as well. So that is a really, really talented group that is going to Maui. That is going to be a a great test for Tommy Lloyd and for this Arizona team. And I'm sure that those schools are saying, man, we get a shot at Arizona – in the Maui Invitational, so they're going to have a target on their back, being the the team that was sitting atop the rankings for the entire season, or for the most part of the season last year. So now, and thanks to you know Bruce Pascoe for putting the you know putting the schedule here on paper, we know some of what Arizona's schedule is going to look like. They're going to open up against NAU. They'll have they'll they'll play two uh, exhibition games to start. You know, before the season, the NCAA rule says that you can play three. The third one, I believe, has to be played on a neutral court, and it has to go to it has to be like sponsored by some kind of a nonprofit or a charity, or the proceeds have to go to a charity, or part of the proceeds have to go to a charity, something like that. Not a whole lot of teams have ventured into that. I'm wondering if, if and when a big school jumps into that realm, if it ever happens, uh, what the what the effect of that might be. It'd be it would be really interesting to see if there was an exhibition game you know, played in, in that space. You know, like if, if you know, Arizona wanted to play GCU for some in-state, you know, type of, of charity or something like that and set up, you know, a situation like that. I don't know if it'll ever happen. Um, it happens very, very rarely ever since the NCAA opened that up as an option. I think it was like four years ago. So then Arizona opens up in November, on November 7th with NAU. Then they play Southern. And then they've got some open dates there that they can fill in with some non-con teams. Then they go to Maui. Then they play their first Pac-12 game, which is going to be at Utah. Then they come home to play Cal. So those are the, the two pre-Christmas conference games, at Utah, home, Cal. So those that plays out pretty nicely for Arizona. Okay, Those are two, two teams that should not be on their level this season and probably won't be for quite some time. Then the aforementioned game against Indiana in Las Vegas. And then the big game as Tennessee – comes to the McHale Center to take on the Wildcats on December 17th. Now, also noted uh, in in, uh, Bruce Pascoe's uh, article today, is that Arizona will not be hosting Stanford. So, because of the 20-game schedule, we have that, you know, weird where we don't play everybody twice kind of thing. Arizona will not be hosting Stanford, but they will also not be playing at Colorado in this upcoming season. That is huge. Like, that's not having to play at Colorado, we've talked about on this show just how difficult it is. The numbers support it. Every team goes through it. How difficult it is to play at Boulder. Teams get beat all the time in Boulder. All the time happens every year. Colorado, you know, they're always a good team. Um, and and when you know when you play at Boulder, there's just it's just something different. It is a ridiculously difficult place to win, even when your team is considerably better than the Buffs are. Not to say the Buffs don't lose games at home. They certainly do. But uh, it is always tough to win there. So Arizona gets that break. They do not have to go to Boulder this year, which is really nice. And they don't have to do that whole Rocky Mountain trip because they do Utah on December 1st and come back home. That Rocky Mountain trip, I've been on that trip a few times, it is not a pleasurable trip. It is a, it is a tough trip. And back then – you know, when I was traveling with the team, Utah was really, really good. They were ranked, uh, and so was Colorado. That, that, those trips were really rough. Uh, so Arizona does not have to do that, the, the Rocky Mountain schedule, the road Rocky Mountain schedule this year, which is going to be extremely helpful for them. And I think, you know, part of the reason why they will be a contender, once again, for the regular season title, just like I said they would be last year. Nobody believed me. But, hey, I, what do I know? I'm just a... I'm just an optimistic homer. All right, I'm going to take a time out. We'll continue with more stuff on campus next right here on the Jeff Dean Show.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: Well, the... Pac 12 baseball tournament. It begins today in Scottsdale. Just a uh, hop, skip, and a jump from where I'm at right now. And game one begins at 9 a.m. First pitch is at 9 a.m. And that is the Arizona Wildcats taking on Oregon uh, in that first game. And look, there are some people that think that this is a, a must win for Arizona. When I say people, I don't mean fans, I mean that there are people in the know. Uh, that are looking at Arizona's resume essentially for um, for a postseason bid, and you know Arizona, look, you, you never want to go into a tournament, especially with you know, with young players and stuff. You never want to go into a tournament and say we don't need to win this thing. It, it was it was the discussion that we were having right with the basketball tournament with Tommy Lloyd. We've got we've got it wrapped up. We're the number two team in the net. We're the number two team in the country. Why would we need to go to Vegas? and play our asses off and win the tournament. It's called competitive edge, and that's why you do it. And when I went on the air and I said, Arizona needs to give everything they've got to win this championship uh, you know, in Vegas at the Pac-12 basketball tournament, people were like, well, you're a risk injury just for a stupid trophy. Yes. Absolutely. You can't just sit there and assume the worst. Oh, if we play hard, we're going to get hurt. Oh, if we play hard, we're going to be tired. No. You keep your competitive edge going. Now, for Arizona baseball, it's a little bit different because uh <laughs> Arizona's RPI isn't is certainly not as good as it was before they got swept in Eugene uh unceremoniously. And beating Oregon today would go I I would I would say it would it would go a, a good distance into increasing Arizona's resume and their chances of getting in to the postseason. Right now, Oregon, the Ducks, are number 19 in the RPI. They're ranked number 22 in Baseball America's top 25. Um, and look, right now, Oregon is kind of being looked at as a spot for a regional hosting. So Arizona beating and ousting Oregon from the tournament would do a lot of good for Chip Hales' basketball baseball program, is it a must-win? I I I I still don't think so. I don't think so because of the team that they're going to be playing. They would be losing to, uh, you know, the 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 nineteenth team in the RPI, and then depending on what happened in the losers bracket, did they you know did they beat Arizona State on Thursday? Because Arizona State's not beating Stanford. <laughs> let's let's just call it like it is. A team that has an, a team ERA nearing eight is not going to beat the best offense or second. I think the second best offense in the in the, the conference. <laughs> and a team that is absolutely on a roll and won twelve in a row. Not happening. So Arizona not a must win today. However, to stay out of the losers bracket, I think it would be imperative for the Wildcats to win today. Not just for that, but for their own well being, for their own mental health. Get yourselves out of the funk that you're in of getting swept for the first time in three seasons. So, must win? No. Not for postseason seeding and things like that go, but for everything else, absolutely. It's a must win for the Wildcats today. And again, first pitch just after 9 a.m. in Scottsdale at the Pac 12 baseball tournament. Coming up in hour number two. Talk some NFL. Lots of NFL coming up in our number two. Some college football as well. Stay tuned here. Quick turnaround. We'll toss at the ESPN for a sports center. We'll be right back here on The Jeff Dean Show
0: on ESPN Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson. K285 DL1049 FM Tucson. And KMXC HD4 Tucson.